it was a conversation that I was actually having with a family member and they were talking about how the financial systems in Canada are like difficult to navigate through. Because as I said, I do come from Iran and how they initially had a difficult time just like going through that and understanding everything. And I do know that there is this disparity um, in financial education among different households based on a different background, or if they come from a low-income background, they don't receive this education. And I've seen a lot of people from wealthier backgrounds do know how to invest. They are already investing. Because I saw this disparity, I felt like it could really make a big impact. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Armita, welcome to the Better Wealth podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to have you on here. And I just have to highlight the fact that I had um, some other young people who we, we have the pleasure of helping them out with the podcast, the Teen Financial Freedom podcast. We just got a lot of people that have reached out and said, it is so inspiring to hear young people up to some incredible things. When I heard your story and heard what you were up to and saw that you had a book and that you're doing all these things by the age of 16 years old, and how articulate you are and how, how much you care about um, serving people and how much you care about personal finance and, um, and just how you show up and how genuine you are. I was like, I, I have to have you on the show. And so I know that um, you have a really powerful story and I wanna capture that, but more so I just wanna take a step back and just hear why you do what you do. And I would encourage you if you're a parent or if, you, or if you're young to, to listen to this and share it with your other friends, because even though I'm, I'm young, um, I'm not 16, and I think there's such a massive disservice that happens in our high schools because we're taught science, we're taught math, we're taught a lot of things that are important, but not it doesn't necessarily impact everyone. Money impacts everybody, and yet we have a greater financial crisis or financial literacy crisis, and uh, it's a problem. So with that, thank you for being on the show, and I'm I'm excited to hear your story. Yeah, thank you so much for the introduction. And I definitely agree. I feel like it's a topic that's not really presented to high school students or a lot of resources are often for adults or people who've already graduated college. But bringing this education not only into high schools, but also elementary and middle schools could definitely be impactful if students are learning these skills because school is where you're able to reach a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds as opposed to going and targeting a specific community. You can have a lot of people come into school and you're able to reach them with this education. So bringing it into academic institutions and places is definitely something that's very important. So you're 16 years old mm -hmm. and I, what I'm, I'm dying to hear your story and that was, I actually couldn't wait uh, when you, when you hopped on, I was like, okay, I got to get the three minute version. And luckily we were recording it. Um, but overall, what is your story from the standpoint of like, how did this all begin? Like, did you, I, I know that you live in Canada today where did you, were you born in Canada? Talk to us about your story and then talk to us about the switch between you just living your life to being like, Hey, I'm going to write a book before I'm 16 years old. <laughs> And, and like actually help people, especially, you know, young people figure out money. That, that's not a normal thing, by the way. Um, and it's impressive for anyone that, you know, does that. So what, yeah, what's your story in a nutshell? So for me, I was not born in Canada. I actually lived the majority of my life in Iran, which is where I'm originally from. And so that's where I was for a big part of my life. And so 
I think that my entire like work in financial education certainly didn't happen overnight. It was a series of moments that I had and it kind of like built up to me one day saying, okay, I want to do something about this issue. And it's something that I care a lot about and have knowledge about. And so I'm able to make this valuable contribution because like I started learning about finance near the end of grade eight. And it initially began with a book that I read called, called secrets of the millionaire mind. And it really talked about, um, changing your mindset and the way that you approach um, financial decisions and financial topics to become financial, financially successful. And so it talked about how to think about money, how to budget your money and how to overall be able to approach it and create your own financial blueprint. And after I finished reading that book, and that was my first encounter with finance before I didn't know anything about it. It was not something I was thinking about, but I did know that there was this need for it because one thing that I heard a lot just throughout middle school and continuing into high school was um, high school students saying they want to learn how to manage their money. They want to learn about taxes, but it's something that school is not teaching them. I feel like this is something that teens talk about a lot. So I did know that it was important, but I didn't know too much about it. And so after I read this book, I was really intrigued because I felt like I had gained a lot of just skills and ways of thinking about what I did with my life in general, such as with my time. And then I realized this financial education, it doesn't just impact people's wallets, but can have an impact that goes way beyond that. And so I continued to learn about finance on my own because I was really interested. I watched like YouTube channels, um, continued to like read books. I went on Investopedia, which covers a range of topics. And from there, as I continued to learn this knowledge, I never knew that I would be doing something in it one day because it was just something that I learned for fun. And it was not something that I did as my main focus. I hadn't done any projects related to it. And so when quarantine came along, I had way less work than I ever did because I didn't really leave the house anymore. Um, My school was asynchronous and our classes, we were barely doing much. It was just, I had a lot of free time. And so during this time I said, okay, I want to do something. And the first thing that came up to my mind was like writing a book because I'm really interested in like reading and I've wanted to write a book for like a really long time ever since I was quite young and I was still not set about writing about finance so I was just going through my life every day thinking about like what can I write about this was something that was just on the back of my mind like all the time because it was something I really wanted to do and um, it was a conversation that I was actually having with a family member and they were talking about how the financial systems in Canada are like difficult to navigate through. Because as I said, I do come from Iran and how they initially had a difficult time just like going through that and understanding everything. And I do know that there is this disparity um, in financial education among different households based on if they come from an immigrant background or if they come from a low income background, they don't receive this education. And I've seen a lot of people from wealthier backgrounds do know how to invest. They are already investing. Um, So because I saw this disparity, I felt like it could really make a big impact because a lot of schools don't teach you this knowledge. Um, I know that in the U.S., most high schools do not provide this education. In Canada, it's the same thing. And so because I saw this lack for it and because I knew there was this demand for it, high school students were always talking about it, I knew that it could make a valuable contribution. So I think that from the beginning, I was really clear about my target audience and who I was trying to reach, what I was trying to do, because I did see this like need for it in the market. And so that's kind of how it started. And um, I opened a Google document I did, and I just started writing down ideas that I had. I remember the first topic that I was writing about was credit cards. And so I started writing a lot about that. And then I started to research a lot about different topics that high school students need to know, what they don't know. I messaged a lot of people, asked like, hey, if you were reading a book about finance, what are some topics you want to learn about? And based on doing that sort of like market research in an informal manner, I was able to kind of understand what I wanted to cover in my book. 
And from there, I started to write. I wrote a lot of different drafts. I did it all on Google Docs and afterwards started to design it with like graphics and such. And in September, I was finally able to publish it. And I did that through Amazon KDP. I published the book. And after that, I knew that I wanted to continue the work that I did because it received a lot of recognition more than I expected. Like a lot of people really were really taken aback by it. And they really um, were fond of the idea of advocating for financial education. So because I saw that it got a lot of positive responses, I wanted to continue the work in it because I did have this huge interest. And I felt like there's still a lot more that I can do um, beyond just a one-time project. And so with that, I had the idea to create an organization called Empower Econ, which I founded the team by messaging a lot of high school students who knew me for the book that I had created like a few weeks prior that had come out. And together, we were able to start Empower Econ, which now hosts virtual financial and economic education events for teens from across the world. And so that's what I've been doing um, during this past year with things like speaking at workshops and just overall doing a lot of work to further the impact that I have through my projects in financial education. Where do I begin? There's there's like 10 questions I have. I, I want to go back all the way to the very beginning when you had like your epiphany. You're like, wow, I need to do something about this. Was there like one money concept or was there one concept in general that just made you go, this can't be or like made you intrigued to want to learn more? Like for me, it was when I read The Richest Man in Babylon and this concept, it's basic, but the concept of paying yourself first and having your money work for you was one of those concepts that was, it was the domino that knocked over other things. Like that, that concept is so cool. Uh, but talk about habits, like you need to have discipline to do that. What was that for you early on? I think for me, it was definitely the financial psychology aspect because I feel like growing up a lot of times in like shows and cartoons and just media, people are talking about becoming a millionaire and spending a lot of money and just like portraying that you're rich. Um, but this book that I was reading, it was really talking about not trying to show that or externalize that, but being able to internalize the mindset that makes you successful and understanding that and seeing the disconnect that there was between what you typically think as, of as like financially successful, which is the external things that a lot of times people are showing versus that internal mindset and how you reach that was really what got me interested in it because I'm also really interested in just um, psychology in general. And so just the overlap of the two and seeing that disconnect made me interested in learning more about this because I feel like a lot of times, um, especially high school students, they're focused on like spending a lot of money and trying to look cool, showing off with these things. But thinking about it in like the long term and thinking about like, how can I actually become financially successful? It really comes from those habits that you incorporate into your life. So that was like what really got me interested. Um, and after that, I started to learn more about a lot of different elements of finance, like using credit cards responsibly. It comes with that being able to save a portion of your income every month, creating like an emergency fund and saving for retirement and all of these different aspects that you can dedicate your money to. It all kind of comes back to having that discipline. So that was something that got me interested in the topic. You talk about habits. And if you could like give someone like one or two habits that and pretty much say, hey, I, I guarantee you this will make your life better. What would some of those habits be? I think the first one is definitely delayed gratification. I feel like sacrificing short-term wants for long-term needs um, and things that can definitely have a much higher rate of return um, over the long run is definitely um, the biggest thing. And that just not goes only with finance, but also with your everyday life. Um, and another thing I think that just kind of goes hand in hand with that is being able to be a long-term thinker and look into the future as opposed to doing what just shows up in the moment or what seems interesting to you in the moment. So not so much delaying your wants, but being able to 
look into the future as opposed to what you're doing over like the next month, maybe like next six months, next year or so. And that's so crazy you being so young, having that mature of an answer, because this is not true that a lot of people don't make decisions because they just don't see, they, they don't um, visualize what their decisions today are going to, how it's going to affect their future. And I think if there's one thing that we could do in it, what's exciting is AI, I think could get us close is if you could just like actually picture 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, if you could actually picture dying and like seeing the ripple effects of that, I think people would would potentially change their behavior today if you understand how life how how short life can be and how um, making decisions today, especially if you're under the age of thirty listening to this or watching this, like I mean, if you're over the age of thirty, everyone's in an opportunity that they can change. But like the the cool thing is you're speaking to people that if they make tweaks and they're able to think long term, they their life could be one hundred percent different which is really exciting. Yeah, I think that's definitely such an interesting concept, being able to look into your future, because I feel like a lot of times there's this disconnect between who people are now and how they see themselves in the future. Like, for instance, if you think about like retirement savings and the concept of finance, people are like, oh, yeah, that's like decades from now. I don't need to think about it. But being able to connect your future self to who you are now and connecting the dots between like what you're doing now, and what it's going to lead to, I think is really important. So being able to have that connection is going to make people more inclined to um, developing positive habits, not just in finance, but in many different aspects of their lives. I love it. Let's talk about your book, Road to Financial Literacy. Great name. And you say the subtitle is an introduction to personal finance for teenagers. How do you teach finance 101 for a teenager or a human being? Because we find that a lot of people, it doesn't matter how old you are. Like you, you know way more about money than most of America and most of, you know, Northern America, which is kind of sad if you think about it. Yeah. But it's it's like it just is what it is. So how do you teach finance 101? How are the building blocks that you go off of? So in my book, the way that I approached it was as opposed to making it a very like content heavy resource that goes in depth about like every specific topic. The idea was to make it a very like short and concise read that gives just a holistic snapshot into the world of finance that teenagers will typically um, encounter after they come out of high school. And so how I kind of thought about that was what are like the core components that people need to know about. And so my book has four main different chapters. The first is on credit and building credit and credit cards. The second is on loans where I go over both um, student loans and mortgages. The third is on saving and investing. And finally, it ends with budgeting. So taking in everything that they've learned from the past three chapters and applying it to creating a budget that they can live with that is adjusted to their own lives. And so kind of how I went with each of these was um, everyone is going to be using a credit card. People are going to need to apply for loans. And just these are the different financial skills that people are going to need in their life and creating a single resource that they can come to, to be able to learn about a lot of these different aspects in a way that simplifies a lot of different terms that they may hear. So every chapter that I begin with has um, a page where it goes over like key terms in that specific concept. So like what grace period is um, and these different like terms that are used within each different like facet of finance. And so it gives a preliminary understanding and then it goes in depth into explanations and another thing that was quite important to me was it was not just a fact book what but was able to tell kind of a story about different finance topics so what i did with that is with a lot of topics that i cover i make sure to include like one or two examples that actually apply it to the real world so people can really visualize um, what it would be like in their lives or how it would apply let's talk about credit 
what mm-hmm. is Credit Hack 101? You say that everyone is going to use credits. I'm assuming you're talking about how to use credit cards responsibly, how to build credit at a young age. Is that is that the route that you went? Yeah. So it started out with like the terms that would define it. And then it went into why credit is important, how it often can get a bad reputation because people can go into a lot of debt for it, but how using it responsibly is um, able to be very beneficial. And then it goes over how to use credit cards responsibly and the different factors that make up your credit score, um, such as like credit utilization, payment history, and those different aspects. And it just follows that structure. So then loans, you talk about mortgages, you talk about student loans. What are your thoughts on those and what did you write about? So I kind of took the reader through a step-by-step process of them applying for a mortgage. So like there's like pre-approval and the different calculations that they do and how they look at like your credit report and your income and they like calculate your other debt that you have in those different processes. And as for student loans, I went over how there's like private and there's also the government ones and the government ones are like strongly recommended and like the different aspects that make up each. And I also went over um, like what a prime rate is and interest rate on loans and topics such as that. So it gives like an understanding of those. Any, any recommendations like should student go to school? Like, are you planning on going to college? Yes, I am. For college, I feel like it's not the only way to become successful. And I feel like a lot of students just enter college because it's the, like, it's the societal norm to go to college and people go in thinking that they're going to get any major and they're going to come out with a high paying job and it's going to be an automatic process, but it's definitely not like that. And so I think um, college can be beneficial in a lot of ways, but thinking that it's the only path to success is definitely incorrect. So I think one important aspect is thinking of the correlation between the college that you're attending, um, the amount it's going to cost, what major you're getting, the starting salary that you're going to have, and being able to think ahead um, in the process. I've talked to a lot of college students about this topic, and they say how if they had known about student loans like earlier in high school, they would have applied to more sponsorships, or maybe they've um, they would have pursued a different career. And so I think it can really impact the trajectory of people's lives, um, which is why it's important to really consider um, personally and be able to think about like, is it actually beneficial for me? What am I going to do with my degree? What career path am I going into? So all of those are different factors. So it isn't like, yes, you should go or no, you shouldn't go, but it's something that you have to weigh the costs and benefits of for yourself. It's interesting. I'm, I'm talking to a guy who's educating me on college and he has a software and an education portal that essentially allows people to reverse engineer what colleges they should apply for based on the cost. And so a lot of times, especially if you're low income, you can get into college for free. And so he like highlights that and then obviously streamlines it where it's a huge value add. And it just blew my mind, number one, that there's other things available out there that can make college affordable if that's the route. But I also agree with you. A lot of people go to college and they they don't necessarily know why they go. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of the it's like the easiest next step. Mm-hmm. And and as a result, whether they take loans or not, the opportunity cost of them just being at a place and, and not being motivated, they're just almost deferring or postponing their ability to work and actually, you know, lean into what they need to be doing. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that platform is really interesting because I know this nonprofit organization that I worked with called Next Gen Personal Finance in the US. And so they offer a lot of different simulations that help people understand a lot of different financial topics. And one was centered around college loans. Um, I believe it's called payback. And so people can go in and see like um, they take like specific steps and they are faced with a lot of decisions along the way. And in the end, they find out how much debt they're going to be in. And so I think that's a great simulation to be able to like think about the real 
digital world. And we actually incorporated that one of our events at Empower Econ. And a lot of people were like really surprised with the results that they got. So I think that's quite interesting. Let's talk about saving and investing. And, and how do you get someone motivated, especially in high school, to start saving and investing? I think that being, I feel like a lot of times when people start pursuing something, it's because they have a goal in mind and that goal is really motivating them to go above and beyond to like contribute to it. So I feel like the same thing goes into finance. If someone is able to find a good enough reason to become financially responsible, especially with saving and investing, and if they're really working towards something clear that they know they want, they're able to be a lot more consistent with their habits and show up. And so for instance, if someone is saving for retirement savings and they've developed some very um, strong reason for why they want to retire maybe at 35 and they're really motivated towards reaching that goal, they're much more likely to save than if they say, oh, I need to save for retirement because I have to do it. And someone told me I need to do it. So I think when people find a goal and they care about that goal a lot, it gives them a good enough reason to surpass other things in their life because it's important to them to reach it. And that goes with long-term thinking. How do you talk about compounding and does the subject of control come up as well? Like, do you talk about the importance of controlling capital? So I'm curious how you define compounding, number one, and then what other issues do you think teens are thinking about? Because do you really think they care about 40 years from now compounding and you, and you sell them on the result or do you sell them on the, the desired lifestyle that they'll have by being in control of their money? I think that it's a combination of both, especially this is both in my book and at our events. When we talk about the idea of compounding and we really show them the result, they're quite taken aback by it because it is really um, just like surprising to them to like do the math and see the type of impact that it has. Let's say if they start like saving or investing at 18. Um, so having that understanding of how important compounding can be and then thinking about their own life and considering how if they're able to do this, they're able to reach the type of lifestyle that they want or a certain goal that they want and combining and balancing the two, um, I think is a really good way to go about it. It's awesome. Last but not least, budgeting. <laughs> and and budgeting is just one of those things that it's hard to get people excited about. Yeah. But if you don't track your money, you do not control it. And we've just seen over and over again, as we've helped people, regardless of how much money you make, a lot of people do not have a good grasp on where their money's going. And as a result, um, are never able to show up powerfully as it relates to implementing a financial plan. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I feel like this goes into the concept of also your time as well, when you're not breaking yes. down your schedule and thinking about like where you're spending your time at the end of the day, you feel like you didn't get a lot done and you had all this time, but you don't know where it went. So I think it definitely um, just like spills over to different aspects of your life. And so I think with what I did in my book, it was like, we broke it down into like four different steps. And I was like, look at all the expenses that you have. Think about like how you want to break these down into different categories, like which categories you want to spend more in, which categories you need to cut down on, um, how to update it. Like for instance, every six months, if you're like for six months, you're focused on paying off debt, you're going to like change that so that you're spending more towards that debt. But if you're not focused on that after six months, you have to adjust your budget. So those were the steps that we went with. But I think that um, in general, if we're able to, and that's the reason that I made that the last chapter of my book, because um, when someone doesn't know as much about finance and they are like, 
immediately bombarded with the idea of like starting to budget, it may not be as interesting to them. But if it's the last thing and they've learned about a lot of different concepts and by then they're already excited about or motivated to um, save, invest and be responsible with their money, they're much more likely, I feel like, to take that last step. And this is actually a concept that I read about in an article as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that's why like I left it at the end so that people first gain that knowledge and it was like, okay, this final step that's crucial that you need to take, I felt like people would be more likely to want to pursue it. If you were to recommend a reading list of three to five books around money, mindset, what would those books be? I think that with like finance, um, an important aspect, as I said, is like the psychology. So reading personal development books also helps a lot. Um, So as money, I would say like Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Um, I would also say Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is quite a popular book. Um, There's this online resource called Common Sense Economics, which is quite interesting. Um, And then I would say as for like personal development, one person whose content I really enjoy is Brendan Burchard. He's a like leading high performance coach. And so I consume a lot of his content, whether it be like podcasts or Instagram posts. Um, So I would recommend his books, um, High Performance Habits, which he talks about six high performance habits that are really, um, it can like enrich people's lives as well as his book, Motivation Manifesto. So those are kind of the five resources that I would recommend. And I feel like my interest in personal development has furthered my interest in finance. So I feel like they're kind of interconnected. The next question I I have is, have you ever been stumped on an interview question? Because you are probably the most articulate 16 year old I've ever talked to. Oh my God. Thank you for the compliment. (laughs) I feel like I have a lot of the answers in my mind. And I think because I've done a lot of interviews by now, when I started out at the beginning, it was definitely like a lot harder, especially for the ones that like I received questions beforehand and I would do it afterwards. I would need to like think a lot about it and like formulate answers. But now it comes like more naturally to me, especially because I'm really interested in the co- like topic of finance and personal development in general. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where you're going to be in 10 years. It's going to be if you if you keep your head down and continue to serve and create content and share generously. I, I really, really pumped to see where you're going to be. So many things I want to say and ask, I, I, I guess I would say if you had to just take off your finance hat and talk to 16, 17 year olds, 15 year olds, and let's be honest, like I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was 16. I knew I wanted to do something in the money space. I knew I naturally was into money and leadership business. Like that's what I would naturally love to learn about, but I really didn't know. How do you get clear on that? Because I think one of the biggest problems that we have is people are not convicted because they're not, they don't really have clarity on where they need to go. And, and clarity creates a lot of conviction and, and can create competency because you know where you're headed. And I think one of the biggest problems with young, uh, young students, young people is there's just not that direction that's clearly defined. And as a result, it, it clogs up a lot of areas. How would you, if you were just talking as a peer to a peer, what would you, how would you encourage them to take a step back and get really clear in what they want? That's first of all, definitely really true. It's something that I've seen a lot of high school students as well as my friends, because whenever I talk about them or I talk with them, they're always like, how do you like have these passions that you care about? Like, I don't even know what I want to do with my life. So I definitely think this is something um, that's really big. And I've been thinking a lot about it recently. And I think for me, I'm really glad that I was able to discover something that I care about at like such a young age, but I feel like it really comes from taking action as opposed to thinking about it. So I feel like a lot of times 
sometimes you don't know what you want to do unless you actually are exposed to it and you're doing work related to it. Because um, when you start like a project, like for instance, when I started my book, I knew I was interested in finance, but I didn't know much about my other interests. And after publishing that and starting my organization and a lot of things that I did, I was able to describe, like find out that I'm really interested in like leadership. I'm interested in public speaking. And these are things that I never knew I'd want to do because before um, these were things I didn't have experience. And so I feel like for high school students to kind of be able to discover what they want to do with their life first is to be able to gain a lot of exposure by putting themselves in a lot of situations, whether it's learning about a field or contributing to a project, because not only do you learn what you like to do, but you also realize the things that you don't like to do. And I think understanding what you don't want to do gets you closer to um, finding out what you want to pursue. And I think another element is going after goals as opposed to passions. I feel like this big thing in society that people always talk about is like finding out what your passion about and dedicating your life to it. But that's kind of unrealistic because you're not going to love every aspect of anything that you do. Yeah. You're going to come across like obstacle obstacles, things that you don't want to be doing. And if you give up because you're like, okay, I don't have 100% passion for this. So it's probably not like what I'm dedicating my life to. You're not able to find anything that you want to do. So I think it's important to really um, just be able to look past like the bad aspects and find something that you want to do so much that even when they're like a hundred bad days, you're still motivated to do it. And that doesn't come from having a passion. It comes from having a mission and a goal that you have instead of something. Because I think that with passions, they're subject to change. As you go throughout your life, you find different fields that you're interested in, different topics. But when you have a goal, um, whether that be to serve a specific community or reach a certain point, you're willing to do a lot to reach there. And through that, you're able to find your passions because you identify your skills and the different things that you're really excited to work on. So for me, for instance, um, my entire like mission with what I was doing or what I'm still doing is increasing access to financial education for teenagers. And so through that, I was able to not only implement my interest in finance and economics, but also be able to develop skills in areas like public speaking, like leadership. And these are things that I didn't know I had a passion for, but now I've discovered. And it's come from taking action and being focused towards a goal as opposed to simply finding things that I'm passionate about. I think that's an, uh, I I 100% agree with you. I think if you're young and you don't have a clear understanding of what goals you want, taste and meet with people. And you're being young is one of the greatest blessings because everyone will talk to you. Yeah, You have so much more opportunity. And it's one of those things where you can work for free. You can really learn how to intern. Like I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of if you're 16, 17, 18 years old, if you're in college right now to like go find people that you admire, learn from them, see if you can add value to them. And that is the best way for you to get really clear. It's not going to happen in the classroom where it's just going to hit you like this is what you want to do. It usually happens by doing. And when you're when you're young, you have a, a, a way he, bigger advantage, I'll say. You have a way bigger advantage than someone who's not young because you're just less of a threat. I call it your student card kind of deal. And so that's that's incredible. Yeah, that's definitely true. I feel like being young has definitely helped me a lot in everything that I've done because during this past year, a lot of adults have also helped me. They've like volunteered their time. They've donated to the initiatives that I'm doing. And that's definitely helped me take what I'm doing further. So I think, yeah, being young is definitely just a very important part of it and helpful. So what's the best way for people to get your book and support what you're up to? And what's the call to action? Like people are inspired. Maybe parents are saying, kids, listen up, be friends. What's the next step? Where, where do you want to drive people to? And how can 
my community best serve you? So you can find my book on Amazon. It's called Roadmap to Financial Literacy, an introduction to personal finance for teenagers. Um, you can also find my organization's website, um, which is www.empowerecon.com, which also our Instagram is linked on that page. And so those are um, the two main places for my project. And if you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at armitahj at gmail.com or find me on LinkedIn, Armita Hosseini. And I will include all the show notes in YouTube and the podcast so that you can find them and just support Armita and just all the things that you're up to. 16 years old, do you have your license yet? No, I do not. I could have gotten it already, but I have not tried. You're too busy writing books and like sharing the mission of personal finance. So that should be a gut check because I promise you a majority of people that listen and watch this show are older than you. And it should be very encouraging and inspiring and maybe challenging to hear someone that's so outspoken, well-spoken, so clear and where they want to go. That's a huge blessing. So the way I want to end all, all my shows is um, what I call the legacy question. And I know I've like caught myself because I'm like, man, I'm asking someone younger than me the legacy question, but this is going to be key. Legacy question goes like this. If this is your last day on earth and you were with the people that you love the most, what would you share in that last conversation? You can't give them your book. You can't give them anything other than that conversation. What would you say? That's definitely an interesting question. And I have to think about that. So now I'm stumped. <laughs> this is the first time you've ever been stumped on a show. So, <laughs> Yeah, definitely an interesting question. I think I would express my feelings. I feel like that's something that I don't do as much is express feelings. So maybe I would talk about how much I love my family. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I don't have much of an interesting answer to that. That's something I'm going to be thinking about just going through my life today now. I'm just going to be like, what would I do? At the end of the day, I think there is a lot to just be grateful for what, mm-hmm. what we've been given. And, and you've already done so much. And I know that it wasn't just you. You probably have some really supportive family and friends that have allowed you to do what you're able to do. And I think it's really important to be to have that awareness because um, we are we are very much an extension of the people around us. And and there's, I mean, there's so many other questions I want to ask you, like how you choose friends, pitfalls you see young people making. I, I'm actually going to ask you this one question. What are some of the pitfalls that you see high school slash college students falling into? They might mean well, they might even read your book. Why are they not getting results? Is there a common theme that you're seeing right now? That's a good question. I feel like with um like centered around finance or just in general. It's in life, life because we it goes back to habits. Like yeah, exactly. The personal finance for young people has a lot to do with discipline. Definitely. Yeah, I think that kind of the biggest pitfall that I see, and this is among a lot of high school students that I've just talked with firsthand is that they don't have a clear aim with their life. Like they don't know why they're doing what they're doing, whether that be like doing schoolwork or attending college or just anything that they're doing in their life. They don't have that clear why. And because they don't have that clarity to understand like, where am I going with my life? They're kind of um, just passing, like they're kind of going through the motions is kind of how I can describe it, but they're not working towards something that they care about. And because they don't have that drive, they're not able to gain that fulfillment that they would like. So they kind of 
feel like it's their life is kind of average, but I feel like not having that aim or clear understanding of where you're going is definitely um, the biggest pitfall that I see among a lot of high school students that I've talked with. And this is something that they always bring up to me when they're talking about it is like not having an aim, not knowing what they want to do with their life, just like in general. Amrita, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I want to encourage everyone to go to Amazon and type in Roadmap to Financial Literacy and get her book, support the mission, give it to your kids. Give If you don't have kids, give it to other young people that this would encourage or maybe read it because I promise you, you'll probably learn something and be encouraged. Thank you so much for being an inspiration and maybe a kick in the pants that some of my listeners needed to hear today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I really enjoyed speaking with you. So. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.